Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. So we are in for a special treat today. I'm here with the man, my co-founder, the founder and CEO of Just My, and he's got a lot to tell us today. In fact, we're sitting in Memphis right now. Thank you, mother, for allowing us to use your working space for this interview. But let's get right into it. JR, I'm sure people will learn more about you and my relationship as we go throughout. But let's take it back to when you were a child, because JR, you are one of the more experienced people to come onto the podcast and perhaps one of the most technical. So tell us about your childhood self and if younger you would be friends with you today. Well, first, thank you so much for having me, AJ. Uh, it's an honor to be here. but. So going back to my childhood self, I grew up in the Orange Mound community, which, as we know, it was a black community built to be a black community. The goal was to have housing and doctors and lawyers and shopping, everything owned by the African-American community. I grew up there biracial, which was really odd at the time. Like now you see biracial kids everywhere. Back then it was like me. And uh, so I didn't fit in anywhere. And I had a very strict mother. She was a single mom and she was very aware of everything that we did. So some people say, well, you don't talk like you come from Orange Mound. Well, one, I think that's an insult to Orange Mound. But two, I think depending on who your parents were, how they brought you up, you know, there was no profanity in my house. You would literally get an extension cord, you know, if, if you didn't. I know that's abuse now, but. It, it was strict back then. But now, as far as who I am today, would I have been friends with myself then? I don't think so. I think myself back then was so shy and so to himself, um, he wouldn't recognize who I am today. Wow. I think that might be one of the first times that we've heard that, but it's honest and probably something that a lot of listeners can relate to who you are today is very different from who you were back then. But I got to tell you, one of the things that I like the most about your leadership style is that because of your technical background, you have a lot more confidence when it comes to the vision, when it comes to the tech itself. When you're speaking with developers, it's from a position of strength and a position of long-term vision. And I know there have been times where you have had to push forward in ways that other people might, might be a little fearful of. So talk to us about those earliest, if not the earliest experience you had touching technology, feeling it, when did you come into this awareness where the technical world became more accessible for you? I love that question. And my answer is probably not the norm. My first real job was McDonald's. It was like flipping hamburgers. And I knew from day one, I was not going to stay in that grill. That, that was crazy. But what I loved about McDonald's at the time was it had nothing to do with the food. It was the process in which the food was made. You know, there was a process for everything getting done. And so it didn't matter if you were in a McDonald's in Russia or if you were in a McDonald's in New York or you were in Tupelo, Mississippi. The process in which that burger was made was the same. And I loved the fact that no matter what you were doing, there was like, this is how it gets done. And so that that thought of if you've got a process, anything can be done kind of 
came into my head at that point. And then later, I ended up at FedEx. I worked in the hub for a while. And FedEx was also a very process-oriented company. And so this this concept of of innovation as a, if you can create a process, you can do anything, was stuck with me. I'm also a very Bible, I you know, I'm not like out, okay, let's read the Bible every day. Well, actually, I do read the Bible a lot. But the Bible also taught me that anything was possible. And so I thought, okay, if you can create a process where you can literally do anything, nothing is complicated. Like in my mind, nothing is complicated. If you can say do one, two, three, four, and repeat that over and over again, to me, you can accomplish anything. You just sit down and say, okay, what's the process that gets us from point A to point B? And I don't think that has anything to do with computers or computer languages. I have no actual programming training. I'm a big SQL person, but I've never taken SQL classes. I can tell you exactly what I expect the database to do. I can tell you if you tell me something is not possible, that's not true because anything is a process. So if I can walk through it, it can be built. Love that. And I bet that's a bit of a surprise if you're listening right now with that intro about how technical JR is, because you don't have to be a coder to be really good at being able to design a sweet product, which we're going to get into now. And it's interesting, perhaps even ironic that you have spent the last several years interviewing people with phenomenal stories. And now here we are getting to know you and your message to all of our community for the first time in this way. What is just my? It's the question everybody wants to know. What is just my? And from where did the idea originate? So ultimately, I think what just my is content distribution. I think, you know, no matter what product we're building, it's about taking content and distributing it to more places. So we've got a digital business card. Well, all a digital business card does is distribute content. It's the idea of you've got you pay someone to create videos, you put them out there on YouTube, and then you put a YouTube icon on your site, and you think they're automatically going to go to your YouTube page because you did that. You've got blogs, you've, you've been interviewed, you've been in magazines, and so you've got this content that's all over the place. And the concept behind Just My is to pull all of that content together so that at any point, it's ready to be distributed to the people that actually need it. To me, content distribution is way more important than advertising. If I am interested in an attorney, for example, I don't want, I don't want to see your billboard. I want to know what you've done, what your involvement is in the community, you know, what your credentials are. And you literally can put all of that in your business card. But the cases that you've won or cases that have been in the news, all of that stuff you can put right here. So ultimately, we are about content distribution. Now, where did that start from? That's a good question. My view on that was growing up in Orange Mound, I also grew up in a time where children were supposed to be seen and not heard. I didn't understand that at all. It was was like, but I'm a person and I don't get to speak. Well, then as I grew up and I realized that doors would open for me that didn't open for the rest of the African-American community simply based on the color of my skin. So when I saw that, I was like, this person also needs a voice. They need to be able to share who they are, communicate who they are. And then I worked with nonprofit organizations. And you would see these nonprofits, 
you know, they would do fundraisers and they'd ask for donations. And the part of the nonprofit that touched me was the people that they were serving. I wanted to hear those stories. I wanted them to empower those people because a lot of nonprofits say, you know, we're empowering this group or this group or that group. Well, I want to hear from those people. And so content distribution was for me the ultimate way of bringing out the greatness in a person. And now it's about bringing out the greatness in a community, in a business, in a nonprofit organization. You create this content to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the impact that I'm going to have. Just my can't write a checkout to every organization that needs help, but we can help every organization distribute their content so that they can get more sales. They can get more donations. They can get more volunteers. So at the end of the day, you keep generating great content and we're going to help you make sure everybody sees it. Again, love that. And let's talk content here for a second, because if you're listening to this right now, you have content. You may be casual with it or you may have turned it into a business or maybe your business depends on your content. So if I'm listening to this right now, I have content. Not a lot of people are seeing it. What am I as a business minded creator going to get from just my that I can't get elsewhere? We've seen the Instagram ads with people popping around with the little tap cards and all of this stuff. But what is it about just my that is making it stand out for business minded creators? I think that's a very good question. It's a hard question to see the answer to now, but I believe you will see the answer very clearly in the years to come. So we initially started with a digital newsstand. When I first came up with this idea, I wanted this place where everything from around the community had a home. And I thought digital newsstand. Again, it's just content distribution. But now instead of having a news station say what is content and what's not content, or having a magazine say what is and what's not, or having a social network with an agenda say what can be published and what can't be. I believe that as individuals, as companies, as, as nonprofits, we put our content out there in one place or bring it all together in one place so that the person that needs that information has it all. So how does that compare to other organizations. We don't have an agenda. If you've got great content that happens to be on the local news station, if you've got great content that was you were featured in the local newspaper, bring it to your business card so that the people that you introduce yourself to, they can literally see everything about you within minutes. And if they want to delve deeper, they can click because people say, well, people don't read everything. Well, they may not. But with a digital business card, You control the image, you control the title, you control the meta description, so you can give them a overview of yourself within seconds. And we don't decide that. You decide that. So we put it back into your control. But now I mentioned at the beginning of this, you may not see what makes us different today, but you will. As our digital newsstands grow, they'll be feeding people to local business owners' business cards. So if you're looking for a plumber, instead of just seeing an ad, you're going to see that plumber's business card with their reviews, with their discounts, with the jobs that they've got available, with their portfolios. And it doesn't matter where those things are, they'll be right there in the listing. And that sounds like, oh, that's way off. And you're thinking kind of over the top. Well, I may be. But there was a point when we thought Amazon was just a bookstore. No one thinks about Amazon with just books. 
today. And I think so as this ecosystem develops, people will see the true value behind having not only a business card, but having a business card where there is an organization, just mine, helping to get your content in front of more people. Okay, wait a minute. So is there any content that would be excluded or banned? So that's a great question. On your business card, you can put whatever you want. It's your business card. Are we going to allow anything to the newsstand, which is a separate entity? We will have some parameters. For example, we're not going to have porn on the newsstand. We are not going to have hate on the newsstand. My goal with the newsstand was a place to promote the positive things going on in the community. Right now, we're running a series in, in the Memphis market called Meet the Candidates. And what I've been the most proud of is that you're actually getting to meet the candidates. It's it's not a debate. It's intelligent people saying, this is why I'm doing this. I want to serve and this is how I want to serve. They're different views. They're both Democrats and Republicans being interviewed. We've partnered up with the Memphis Urban League. And this kind of shows you how this whole ecosystem will work. So those meet the candidate interviews that we're doing for Just Mind, they fit the mission of the uh, Memphis Urban League. So we're sharing that content there. As we grow, you'll see a lot, lot more of that. But my goal is find great content, help people develop great content and help them distribute it. Got it. So what evidence of traction did you see early on? And, And so we met in 2018, kind of a bit of serendipity and how we met, which we can get to in into later, perhaps. But back then, what evidence of traction were you seeing or even since then that keeps you going with Just My? I love that question. And there were three events that really kind of answer that question for me. I was at one of our events where we had a bunch of bloggers that write for our platform. They all came together at a party. And there was a woman there Butterfly. I still remember her just like yesterday. And Butterfly said, regular people, poor people aren't going to read something like this. So the people that you think need this platform are the last people that are going to see it. And I was like, I don't believe that, but do I have any proof that she's wrong? Well, we did a story on the Shelby County reentry program. And I remember the interview being blown away by it because Not only did they help people that had been felons get back on their feet as far as helping them with resumes, helping them prepare for an interview, getting them clothing so that they were ready. They also helped with the mental side of things. I remember the executive director saying, if there wasn't something wrong before they committed the crime, there's definitely something wrong after they've spent years in prison. And they need that help before you do anything else. Because, you know, if they're not thinking right in their head, you can give them a job, but they're not going to stay. Well, that story ran on our Facebook page. It had been up for about a week and a half. And a lady messaged in on our Facebook saying that she had done her time. She had been out, but she could not get any help. Well, the executive director, because he was tagged in this post, he saw her response and reached out and got her inside of this program. To me, the fact that we could help this woman that I've never personally seen meant the thing that I created this for was working. But there was an 
Another moment where uh, we were again working with the Urban League, and I was looking for testimonials of people that had come through their program. And this woman, Pamela Lee, came in, and she's telling her story, and she's sad. She said there was a moment where she prayed to God. She says, if you are real, prove it. And so she tells us about how she went through the Urban League. She started her own business. She had owned this business for 18 years. But she felt like part of her purpose was to tell her story to help other people. And so I asked, I said, well, what I actually want to know is what were you doing before you prayed? And she just came undone. She said that her she had been selling drugs. Her entire family had been selling drugs. She didn't graduate from high school. She had seen one of her cousin's head blown off because he robbed another dealer. And so one night, one Friday night, everybody's out in the streets partying. And her three-year-old son said, Mama, 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 I want to be just like them. Two beepers and a jerry curl. And she said, the people with the two beepers and a jerry curl, these were the serious dealers. And she said, that's not the life I wanted for my son. She said, but I couldn't give him anything else. I didn't know anything else. And so she prayed and she ended up in the Urban League. Well, that was an amazing enough story to me. The fact that we were able to capture this interview was amazing. But what happened next is what I see as the power of what we're doing here. When I say we're looking for greatness, I believe every business, every nonprofit, we as individuals all have greatness inside of us. I think sometimes we need someone to help us raise our bar. And I asked this young lady, I said, do you mind speaking at this upcoming event? There, there was a luncheon coming up and I was hosting the luncheon. And so uh, I get there. I don't see her. And uh, she hears me or she hears me asking about her. And she said, oh, no, I'm here. She had gone out and hired a vocal coach so that she was prepared to speak. She'd gotten a stylist to, to dress her up. She got up on that stage. She told her story. She got a standing ovation. There were two mayors there. And later, this woman ran for city council. Now, here was a woman afraid to be on camera. Here was a woman who, at a young age, had a child, no education, and now she's running for office. I honestly believe that the fact that we could help one random person raise her bar, we can help anyone do it. And I believe the people that need that, I won't find them. I think they'll find us. Now, that is enough to bring you to tears a little bit. Very powerful story. But I'm going to hit you back with something a little bit more direct because we had a question in season one that people were just hitting me up to bring back. Uh, and we want to know how you make money. So talk to us about that. What is Just My's business model? And for the people who are listening intently to see, are we the product? So our business model is basically subscriptions for that content distribution, whether it be through digital business cards, which is now what our focus is. Uh, there are different levels of that. So we have a free business card and there's a $5, $15. And depending on the services, we've got clients paying as much as $700 per month. But in those cases, we're helping to generate rate content. So ultimately, our key client will be spending about $15 a month for their digital business card. And our goal will be to help them 
get their content seen by the people that are looking for what they do. Got it. So what does the $15 get that the free doesn't? So the free is it has where you can put all of your content there. When you move up to the 15, you've got your custom URL. So it's like justmy.com forward slash whatever your username you want it to be. It's got customization as far as background fonts. There's a thousand fonts on there that you can choose and choose create colors however you want. It also has what we call a banner ad. And when we first did this, people were like, why put a banner ad on a business card? And my thought was, why not? Like you're presenting yourself to the one person you should advertise to. If there's ever a person that wants to be advertised, it's the person that's standing right there in front of you. And so your banner ad is there. And we did something a little bit different with banner ads. We put what's called hot links. And so there's three hot links. And those are your call to action buttons. You can log into your card at any time, change those hot links. But like if you're a nonprofit and you've got an event coming up, well, you want to sell tickets, you want to get sponsors, and you want to, you know, tell them your mission. So those may be your three hot links. After that event, it may be registration for a class or something, but it's completely within your control. And then the last part was we put a brand video on there where you can, you know, hire your own videographer. In certain markets, we can provide help with that. But what better place to put your story on a video than on your card? The cool thing about the card is it's pulling that content from your platforms. So that's either coming from your Vimeo or your YouTube. So your numbers are counting. It's working with what you've already got in place. So and there is one more element, the Facebook pixel. If you've got that, that 15, you can add your pixel to it so that you can retarget and you can use that card to work so that someone just looked at your card. Now your ads are following them. And if you're a business owner and you've got a, a marketing firm that's out there creating ads for you, now every time you show that business card, you are creating more, more traffic to your brand's ads and making them more effective. Brilliant and well said. That's, that's very clear, the, the value proposition there. So shifting from the product to you as a founder, you have an interesting network, and I'm sure you find yourselves with a lot of business owners, nonprofits, students, politicians, but who in your personal network, and that could be professional people, but who in your personal network showed up in an essential way that you were not expecting. There are people who come across what you're doing and they expect to add value or you expect them to add value in some way. Tell us about a situation where you were surprised. Okay. Well, I've got three of those. The I ran an ad a few years ago, just looking for someone to help me with web development. And uh, this guy, Dewey Wynn, came in. He was there to help us as a web developer. What I didn't know is that we would become best friends and co-founders. I would say Dewey was here about three weeks and he was like, I don't want to get paid for this. You're going to change the world and I want to be a part of that. I wouldn't be who I am today without him. Anyone that knows us knows we fight a lot. It's like we're brothers, but I couldn't do any of the things that I do now without him. He is a big brother to my kid and he is the person that takes these crazy ideas that come out of my head and help get them communicated 
to others. There was another guy, Duncan Williams. Uh, Duncan now has a 10% stake in the company. And Duncan got involved when it was just me. And, you know, here was a guy that everybody wanted to talk with. And somehow he saw something in me and made himself available. And so he's been kind of a mentor. I've gotten emails from him at 4.30 in the morning. And um, just having, when you grow up in Orange Mound, you don't get to meet guys like Duncan. And so uh, having someone to kind of mentor you and tell you where you're getting off track a little bit, uh, that's been a super help. And then you showed up one day. I, I still remember the day you showed up. We were at a nonprofit roundtable and you were there. Nothing like you are today. Uh, you were like Mr. Humble, Mr. Nice. None of the arrogance, none of the cockiness. You were just like one cool dude. And Dewey and I both met you at this event separately. And we came back. And at some point we were both like, you've got to meet this guy. He's here with uh, Withers Museum. And so we thought you worked at Withers Museum, but you were just kind of here for the summer in between. You had taken the bar exam, you were done with school, and now you were about to go to work. And we, we didn't know any of that. And so when you told us, we were like, well, that kind of messes things up. But then remember, I'm the guy that believes anything is possible. And so I was like, I know he brings something to the table. I don't really know what yet. But whatever it is, we're going to hang out and we're going to hold on to this guy until we realize what he brings to the table. And and honestly, you never cease to amaze me because there's sometimes where you bring like really good ideas. And then there are other times like, you know, when you when you coach me on dating, I'm like, yeah, I am never doing any of that. Never doing that. Do you remember telling me? No, no, we're not getting into that. <laughs> but out of all of the people that I've met and there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors. Someone told me that when I was 18 because I was upset about not having a dad. And I heavily believe that. And what that means to me is I listen to everybody. I may be hard-headed at times, but I still hear it. And there are times where I may not be able to act on what you say, but I listen to everybody. So you could be a five-year-old. And I'm going to listen to you. You can be a 90-year-old, and I'm definitely going to listen to you. But those three people and that multitude of counselors that are out there, you know, I study and I read and I listen to, I even watch television programming, not for the entertainment value, but what can I get out of their ability to tell a story? You know, what, what can I get out? of the actors they chose, the graphics they chose. So yes, my answer to that is there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors and I take advantage of that. Well, thank you. That was a very interesting response and appreciate the the candor there for the folks who are getting to know me through you, as well as Dewey DePrez, who is an awesome co-founder. We'll get to, to co-founders in a second. And Duncan is, is A1 first class in every sense of the word. Uh, but you just mentioned that you are not just an entrepreneur and a founder, you're a dadpreneur. So in what ways, specifically positive ways, has your business impacted your personal life, your family life? We often ask people about this dynamic, the nexus 
business and family, but we want to know from your own words, just talk about the positive impact that Just My has had on your personal life. That's an easy question to answer, actually. I never saw myself being a single dad. Like, never in a million years did I think I would be a single dad. I don't believe in in divorce. I would have stayed married forever. But sometimes life has other plans for you. And so I am a single dad. What I also didn't expect was to suffer from depression and ADHD. So when you take a biracial kid who feels like he doesn't fit in anywhere, you add depression, you add the ADHD, and then you add other very traumatic things growing up. And it can be very difficult to be confident. But remember, I said, I firmly believe that wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors. And while there was a time when I couldn't find my own confidence, the people around me found confidence for me. And and having a daughter and a company. So when you build something like Just My, where you're out helping nonprofits, early on, I prayed that I wanted to help others so that at some point, I would get the help I needed. This, you know, the scriptures say it a little bit differently. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you. I couldn't find that person that would help me. I didn't even know what that person would look like. And so as the business started to develop, it actually helped me to become a better father. It has given me, despite all the difficulties, all of the struggles, my kid now has access that money couldn't buy. I mean, just this week, she was offered an internship with a judge. She's not in a private school. I'm not a guy wealthy yet. I stress the yet part because we are not staying in this struggling position. I guarantee you that. So so the, the fact that my kid has now got a judicial internship at 13. And with this judge, one of her interns has gone on the Emory. Another one got $210,000 in, in scholarship money. The being able to put my child in positions like that without me having anything is a direct impact of, of the company. But I also believe it's an impact of God's blessings because I don't do anything of my own. Like nothing that I have did I make. You know, it was all of any talent that I have, any skills that I have were given to me by him. And so any blessings that I get are a result of that as well. Amen. And I got to say, having known you now for going on four years and watching you develop, mature and advance as a founder, co-founder in your own right, personally, professionally, your leadership and all that, even your ability to concisely articulate the struggles that you have since overcome is super powerful. Speaking of powerful, you mentioned Dewey the Prez. Also the co-founder of Just My, amazing person and a wizard in his own right. So we're going to pick him up and put him and all of us to the side for a second and ask more of a hypothetical question, which was if you were designing your own co-founder, let's say you're recommending to somebody listening to this right now, they're on the hunt for a co-founder. If you were designing one from scratch, what is the one thing you would make sure was included in that stitching of the co-founder that's rare to find? I'd say energy, loyalty, and I know this is more than one thing, but I think these things are, are very important, and a passion for what you're doing. 
I have a firm belief, and I, I hope this is our firm belief 10 years from now, but I have a firm belief in finding people that have their own drive, their own mission in life. Because to me, if they don't have that for themselves, they're not going to have that for your company. And if they've got, don't have energy to take a startup, you know, I don't care who your startup is. I don't care how much money you have. The number of hours that it takes to get things done, the number of tasks that you will have to take on at any given moment requires energy. Loyalty is a big driver because we now live in an environment where people don't hold on to jobs. You know, they throw things away. Everything is disposable. So for someone to be a co-founder, they've got to kind of say, I'm going to be here till this is done. And that has to be said on good days and on really, really, really bad days. And so I think those two things are ultimately, you know, the most important is energy and loyalty. Enough said. And those are all great traits to have and as good advice for other people. Uh, And if you keep following that advice and build a strong team, success, we hope, is imminent. Although we know the numbers, the chances of you exiting and moving forward with your financing rounds, if you choose to do so, is is pretty low. So let's say we remove all that hassle and we drop a suitcase, purse, a bag of a million dollars inside of it for you. You can spend in any way that you want to. You have a million dollars in funding, no strings attached to it. What will you do with that one million dollars? So I saw that question and there's some, there's two things that I would do. First, I'd make sure that our infrastructure could sustain it. Second, I would connect with every business organization across the country from nonprofits to chambers of commerce to business development groups to put this product in their hands and get them using it. And because I know once they're using it and once we pull that ecosystem in together where you've got, you know, those types of numbers, to me, it's, it would be solely that putting this hand, putting this in the hands of as many people as possible, even the the free side of it, getting them to use it and the, well, getting them registered, getting their, their cards created. You would go visit them. No, I wouldn't visit them. My goal would be to, when I said go after chambers of commerce, who I'm really looking for is the people that the chamber of commerce serves. So I want to help the chamber better serve their clientele. I want to help the nonprofits and the nonprofit groups of nonprofits. I want to help the franchises. So I want to go after those groups so I don't have to talk to a 100,000 individual people. But that's what I would do. I would get this in the hands of as many people as possible, as fast as possible, because I know I can blow it up after that. Like once I got it in their hands, it's done. Like that and wish you the best of luck in getting that message out. We are certainly going to do our part to help with that. Speaking of getting messages out, artists do a pretty good job of that. Usually if they have the right distribution network and good content, we all know, you know, our favorite songs, our favorite, you know, movies and all of that, actors and actresses and musicians who are who are tied to that. But for you, which artists do you draw inspiration from? JR, if you had to think about any, any type of artist, I don't want to just limit it to music or, or film. Any particular artist, talk to us about that artist and how they get you in your flow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that is that's a difficult question because 
when, when I think of people that motivate me, there's two that come to mind and they are Steve Jobs and Mariah Carey and both of them for different reasons. So Steve Jobs was a person that didn't sit in anybody else's box. So it wasn't like he created the first music player. Uh, the first, I mean, there were already MP3 players out there. He created his MP3 player. So there are already digital business cards out there. They're nothing like mine. And mine will kick their butt. Uh, Mariah Carey, because here's a woman, I, I would love to be her manager, by the way. So if she's listening, I'd love to manage you. But in the event that I never get to meet her, <laughs> she, here's, I read an article about the art of failing. And it, it was talking about her and it was saying she has, while she's got all of these number one hits, something about her draws people. I mean, people are like, yeah, I don't really care for that. Here's a woman who signed a record deal. The record company dropped her, but they had to pay her like, I believe it was like $42 million to walk away. Like if I'm fired and I'm getting 42 million, that's, that's pretty crazy. But that wasn't the only time something like this has happened. And the fact that and here was a woman who very publicly went through depression. I mean, her movie came out the week, Glitter came out the week, the Tuesday of September 11th. And she was already struggling with fights with her family. There was already questions about her mental health. And somehow, right now on the charts, this woman right now on the charts, has a hit song with an Atlanta rapper with a song that's over 20 years old. And she re-sang it. Like she went back in the studio to re-sing it at big energy. And she's hitting these notes at 53 years old. Here's a woman that put out a Christmas song 20 something years ago that is still going to number one. Like she literally brings in from that one song about 16 to $20 million every December from that one song. So, the, those, the, when you take those two, one says, create your own box. The other one is no matter what you come up against, know who you are, be proud of who you are and keep going. And I think I'll always admire those two for that. Well, you doubled up on first. I think that's the first Steve Jobs and Mariah Carey, especially combined in that way. But it, it makes sense as you kind of lay it out that way for us. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, so we're sitting in Memphis now. This is where we met. This is where Just My started, although now we are in over 180 markets, expanding rapidly and going deep in those markets, even garnering support from some of the local politicians and mayors and some of the some of the bigger markets. But now let's turn to Memphis specifically and just hear from you. Talk about what you're most excited about in Memphis's local startup ecosystem, because a lot of people may not know or appreciate how many founders are either from Memphis and have left or are from Memphis and still here building and creating, just waiting for the chance to reach that next level. So what are you most excited about here in Memphis? So when it comes to Memphis, I have never been a big networking guy. I'm turning into a big networking guy. But that's never been me. When I first pitched this to some of the local incubator types, there was no interest. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyways. I, I was like, I don't care what, you know, what anybody thinks. Uh, but now 
the we've got Blue Oval opening not far from here. And what is I, Blue Oval? Is? Blue Oval is the it's the new Ford plant for the their electric truck. And seven thousand people will work there. High paying jobs. But I think the reason that that's important is Memphis has had FedEx for years. And, you know, FedEx is a great company, but Memphis is more than one company. Memphis has got great artists. Memphis is known for great music. It's great, got great restaurants. But a lot of Memphis's talent goes to school, goes off to college, and then moves away. I think something like Blue Oval being so close to the city with the other companies that will end up coming in will kind of spark a a kind of a redevelopment, will spark growth that this city has needed for a while, will spark the belief that we can do anything. And I, I think ultimately that will be good. And we've been doing a lot with the Meet the Candidates. And I was meeting with Reverend Boyce. He is running for County Commission seat 12. And I interviewed him a few days ago and I said, you know, what is happening in District 12? And it was amazing to hear this guy talk about all of the positive things. But one of the things he brought out was Top Golf was coming in his district. And he was like, so my district is growing. And this isn't a district that we normally think about growth. And, but when I saw his passion, for the growth. And as I meet some of the people running for office, you see a lot of younger energy going into the city and the county. And what I'm hoping that we'll see is less of the the divisiveness that's in our community, less of the I'm black, I'm white, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, and just more of a community. You know, I, I think if from the tech side to the, you know, the tech and the startup side, to local music, local artists, local small business guys. I think if we look at each other as a community, we will see amazing growth. If we stay in those, you know, I'm only going to deal with my clique, that's all we'll be. But I think we've got a future where the younger crowd is starting to ignore those cliques. And as we grow, I think that's going to be good for Memphis. I have to concur. Absolutely. There is quite a bit of talent here and it is growing more stuff's coming in for top golf many others just my hopefully will rise up in the ranks as one of the key companies in the city if it hasn't already also giving us maybe a tinge of president obama vibes with the come together hopeful message but we're here for it but let's say you do your part and you attract all of the talent that perhaps has left memphis new talent that comes in The city continues on the trajectory that it's on to become one of the key southern tech cities. But now you have to leave. And if you leave and they kick you out of town, they take the key of the city away from you and you have to go to another city. But it can't be Silicon Valley. It can't be one of those cities down in Silicon Valley. If you had to go somewhere else to keep building in another tech startup ecosystem, what would that be? So there's two cities that I like. Oklahoma City which I don't think anybody thinks of Oklahoma and says, ooh, tech city. But I love that city. It's one of those cities where the mayor has been so super supportive of us. The first time he reached out to me, it was like 1130 at night. And he was like, I love what you're doing in our city. And uh, he was messaging me from his personal account. So I'm such an idiot. Did not think 
David Holt versus Mayor David Holt. And I was like, oh, man, I appreciate that. But what do you do? He's like, I'm the mayor. I was like, oh, dang. Okay, maybe I should pay attention to politics a little bit more. But I like Oklahoma City because he is a Republican with an 84% approval rating in a market that President Trump won by like 1%. So it's a very politically divided market. And yet here this guy is appealing to almost everyone. And those people that don't like him actually are Republicans in in most cases. And so um, it has been a very, I like the market and it's a market that I'd like to help grow. Uh, The second market is Atlanta. And I say Atlanta because, well, now my co-founder is there. Um, but Atlanta kind of has that we are growing, we're building, we're developing. And Atlanta has already said it doesn't really matter if you're black or what your race is. You can do great things here. I think in some communities, it's still very much a struggle. You know, it's. But somehow Atlanta's just ignored that and said, oh, no, we're going to thrive. You know, you can be black, you can be, you know, whatever in Atlanta, and you can thrive here. And so I kind of like that vibe the city has. I don't know if I'd want to live there because traffic is ridiculous. But so I'd probably move to Oklahoma City and go back and forth to Memphis and Atlanta. I like that. Quite a bit of ground you're covering and sticking to middle America. I just want to, you know, plug that for folks who maybe have spent most of their lives on the coast. There's good things happening in the South and the Southeast and the Midwest, et cetera. This next question is interesting given that Steve Jobs was one of your artistic inspirations, okay? Because this this was somebody who did reach this level. And this is one of our most popular questions, by the way. I don't know why, but people just really like this question, which is this, without further ado. Do you, JR, do you want to run a billion-dollar company? Not own, not start, not found? Do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or why not? And different people answer different ways. They give us a lot of different rationales around it. I thought we've gotten pretty much every answer under the sun, but it never ceases to surprise me with these responses. But the short of it is, do you want to run a billion dollar company? Yes or no? Why or why not? So I love that question. And the answer I think would be, no, I don't want to run a billion dollar company. Yes, I do want to run a trillion dollar company. And it goes back to what I said earlier. I honestly believe that once you find a process that you can repeat over and over again, it doesn't matter if you repeat it a thousand times or a million times. It's going to happen the same way. And so to me, you, you build a company where you stay close to what your success processes are. And you do that as best you can. And so if, I mean, you look at here in Memphis, as a, as Dewey and I have helped nonprofits here raise over $4 million. Now, imagine what we could do if we were a trillion-dollar company. Imagine the ecosystem we would create as a trillion-dollar company. So when the small nonprofit, like here in Memphis, there's an organization called No More Silence. And here, here's a woman who was sexually abused that has turned that into a nonprofit to help other young women deal with it. Imagine what a trillion dollar company could do to help her get her message out. So 
Billion dollar company? No. Trillion? Yes. Definitely made me eat my words there. Put my foot in my mouth. Never heard that before. But thank you for the additional color and increase in the number, I suppose. So that that's a good response, actually. Uh, we're kind of getting towards the end here. Last couple of questions. Uh, but this one I'm actually interested in. I think the folks listening will be, too, because only two other guests on the podcast have actually been the founder at an app launch party. We had Freeman Capital. Calvin Williams in season one. We had Abby Wemimo in season two with the Suzu. And now we have you, JR Robinson with Just Mine. So if you want recaps of what those app launch parties look like, you can follow us. It's pretty easy to find, or you can review some of the previous episodes for that. But this question, you'll remember after you gave your speech at the app launch party, there was a Q&A session and you got some pretty good questions from there, a variety of people that are very engaged actually out there. Uh, but if it were you in the audience asking a question of another founder at their app launch party, what is a question that you would ask them? And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, super VC tech focused or anything like that. But what would you be most interested in asking a founder if you were questioning them at their own app launch party? So now that's a question I haven't really thought a lot about. But I think ultimately the question is, what is it that you want out? of this? You know, what is your end game for this? I knew from the beginning, before I even knew what I was building, what my end game was. And at the end of the day, it goes back to that kid that didn't have a voice in a community that didn't have a voice. I wanted to give a voice. You know, I wanted to make sure the single mother that decided she wanted to start a business could start a business and be able to get her message out where all she had to do was be her, the best version of herself and get people sharing that, that content. So that's where the whole content distribution. So I think I would always want to know what is it that you want to accomplish? Cause I don't think it's about the company. You know, when you ask uh, about running a billion dollar company, the size, I don't think matters. It's what are you doing with it? You know, when we think about like the chips that go inside of, of a phone or the chips that go inside of an iPad. Those things can do all of these transactions. That part doesn't matter. It's what, what went into that. You know, what is, what do you want this thing to do? And I think that's a question I'd ask other founders. Very mature question there. Wouldn't expect anything else. This is, this is very good content, by the way. So this is the last, well, second to last question. And you might feel as though you have responded to this in no uncertain terms or in different ways with different words, but we'll ask you again because we want that latency effect or recency effect. What's the most valuable thing that you do for your customers? I think, and this is hard, I think I give them the ability to share their greatness. I think content distribution has been downplayed. You know, when social media came, we started dismissing our conduct. We started turning it into just trash. Like, I'm going to throw out a soundbite and see if anybody likes my soundbite. But there was no value to that. And so if people can actually say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I make a difference. This is how I supply. Uh, this is what goes into the product that I'm giving you. You know, people will say, well, people don't watch long videos or people don't read. I think people that are 
truly wanting to invest into something, truly wanting to purchase something, at that point, they want a real person. They want a real company behind that. And so when I say helping people to deliver their greatness, I think that's what we do. I believe we have to educate people because, again, with social media, we've just been throwing stuff out there. But when you go back to why am I doing this? It's so that a nonprofit that's looking to help people who have been felons get back on their feet can bring all of their information into one place so that those felons can find it. It's so that a wedding cake maker can use her videos from YouTube, use her, her Instagram, use her recipes that she's creating to land clients. It's, I think it's very simple. Find people's greatness and help them to share it. Excellent. And I'm sure that we can all see if we've kind of seen your impact in Memphis and in other markets or played around uh, with the earlier versions of the product that you are making an impact. You are telling folks stories and it's having a real impact up and down the coast. I remember the story that you told me early on when we first met about uh, the firefighters, right? There was a woman firefighter who published on the platform and was able to tell their story about what it was like being a woman in a male-dominated profession. And that story caught fire, and the rest is sort of history. So it's clear that you are adding value to your customers by helping them tell their stories their way and then distributing that out. So the last question, though, is how do we get in touch with you? If you're listening to this right now, and you kind of vibe with what JR was saying, you think he's, he's pretty cool with the content distribution play and you feel like just my can rise to the top of the stack of the other digital business cards that may be out there. And you can see from this interview that it's much more than that. If somebody has a legitimate interest in getting in touch with you to learn more about you or to help in any way, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you today? Oh, okay. So this is where Dewey the Prez comes in. So uh, go to justmy.com. Simple, justmy.com. You, that's your place on the internet. You own that dot. So go there, sign up for one of our business cards. It's very easy. The first screen you see, it's going to ask you a couple questions. Within minutes, you've got a card. But anywhere during the process, if you need some help, there's a little purple circle on the bottom right-hand side. It's a chat. Uh, right now, you get Dewey or I, uh, one of us is going to come in and, and help answer that question. That won't always be the case. Like, I'm hoping that won't be the case in like a month. But right now, that's how you can reach us. And just sit, if you get on that chat, say, hey, I want to talk to JR. Someone will make sure you get me. And I'm here to help you. That is fantastic. And I got to say, even though, you know, I've said that we've known each other for these four years, I've learned quite a bit from this interview about you as a person, about your growth overall, and about what the future will likely hold for just mine. It's an exciting one. And I'm even more excited today than I was four years ago when we met. Uh, so we'll let you have the last word. That's funny. This is not something I was expecting. But I want to stick with what I've said along. First, go to justmy.com and create a card. Let's be clear. That's what we need to do. Create your business card. I will even see it and help you with it. Our team will help you with it. But ultimately, what I want to say to everybody is no matter what you are doing, give your very best at it. Don't be average at anything. You know, I don't think we were created to be average. I don't think you get to be successful being average. 
I think when you look at our schools, when you look at our educational system, when you look at entertainment, the people that rise to the top are not the ones that are being average. And so it doesn't matter if you're depressed. It doesn't matter if you were born with a handicap. It doesn't matter what your race is. Everybody has the ability to be great. And I think my best advice is to find your greatness and share it with as many people as possible. Words to live by. We have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, we bid you adieu. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guest to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever medium of choice that you have. But thank you for joining and we'll see you next week.